One of the big issues for children in a step family is trying to figure out where their loyalties lie. Here's Ron Deal. The child after remarriage now says, okay, wait a minute, this guy I guess is now my dad or he's my stepdad or something, and they almost feel some obligation to have a relationship with him, but at the same time in the back of his mind is biological dad in another home saying, now you know, don't enjoy him too much. And this 11-year-old's getting the idea that I can't be loyal to my stepdad because it would be disloyal to my biological dad. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. There are a lot of tangled relationships that happen when families get blended, and it can be tough to try to untangle some of those. We'll talk more about that today. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to do a little cooking today. On the broadcast, we've got a recipe we're going to bring out and uh, just see what we can whip up here in Mr. Rainey's Kitchen. How's that, huh? <laughs> Mr. Rainey's Kitchen. We're going to talk about step families. You're going to give that guy, what's his name on the Food Network? Going hey, to give him a run for his money. I right? have some recipes, Bob. I you under, you uh, underestimate no, me. Oh, I have tasted your cooking. It's I, very good. I, uh, I like to cook. Yeah. Unfortunately, I like to eat, too. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to talk about uh, cooking on the broadcast, except in just a moment. We are going to give you a recipe for how to cook a step family. All right? And we have with us the master chef, Ron Deal. Ron, welcome to Family Life Today. Thank you. It's great to be back. Ron does seminars all across the country called Building a Successful Step Family. And... uh, You've, I guess, talked to thousands of folks in churches and small groups and retreats all across the country over the past 10 years. Yes. Ron and his wife uh, live in Jonesboro, Arkansas with their uh, three uh, sons. He's a minister. He's a counselor. And uh, I think he's got a lot to say that's very, very helpful. But he has a recipe. It's how to cook a step family. Now, did you come up with this recipe yourself, Ron? Actually, I did. You know, I was thinking one day about the blended family and that metaphor. And we said uh, on yesterday's program that uh, most step families don't blend, and somebody usually gets creamed if they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started thinking, well, if they don't blend, how do you cook a step family? I mean, the, the notion of a blender is you put a bunch of ingredients in something, and all of a sudden they become one fluid mixture. Mm-hmm. That's just not quite what step families end up to become. So how do you do this? Well, I, I thought about the food processor. Well, that just chops somebody up, and somebody gets chopped up in the process. For example, a parent who says to their child, okay, you need to call your stepfather daddy. We're not calling him Frank. We're not calling him stepdad. You need to call him daddy. In effect, mom has just chopped up real dad. He lives somewhere else, but he no longer exists. We've chopped him up now. This is now your new real dad. That kind of pressure, that kind of message really backfires within stepfamilies, and it doesn't work. So food processor doesn't help. I began to think some about the microwave. Uh, these are families who want to be a nuclear family. <laughs> yeah, did you it, catch that, Bob? It took you a minute, didn't it? <laughs> oh, no, I read it first. I'd already caught it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're working really hard to not be any different than anybody else. They, they refused. I had a guy call in at a radio program I was on one time and argue with me. 
we're not a step family. We're not a step family. We're just like everybody else. Well, it, it's not a bad thing to be a step family. It's just a different kind of family. But yes, you are one. And as long as you refuse to acknowledge that, you're not going to be able to find any creative solutions. I would think this would be more prevalent because of the fast-paced culture we live in and people going, you know, we've made a new family. We've got to make this happen quickly. Yeah, and microwave it. Let's just make it happen instantly. Yeah, push the button. Doesn't work. That's the same thing with a pressure cooker. You know, we're just going to add a lot of pressure. We're going to force each other to love one another. And if the kids don't do it, we're going to be really upset with them because they've been unwilling to do that. That's uh, uh, th- All of those things backfire. Uh, the one other approach that really doesn't work is called the toss salad. And that's where we just kind of throw one another up in the air. And I think about the, uh, the family, for example, that when the, one of their children who – has a part-time residence in another home, but then there are some children that remain in the home over the weekend. While you're gone, your possessions are ours. You know, let's stop and think about that for a minute. If if my possessions, when I'm in Dad's house, all of a sudden anybody can play with my stuff and mess up my room and get into my drawers or play with my toys, then I don't have a place really in that home. And so the toss salad is we'll just toss you up in the air. Wherever you come down, you're supposed to be okay with that. Mm. And it's really unrespectful for parents to do that. What You need to set up a rule that says, uh, can we use your stuff? Can Johnny ride your bike while you're over at your dad's house? Oh, sure, that's fine. Okay, well, now we've at least been respectful to this child mm-hmm. and given him a place even when he's not there. So how do you cook a step family if all of those don't work? Well, it's the crock pot. <laughs> you know, when my wife uh, cooks not with a crock pot. Not the crock pot. Not the crock pot. The crock pot. Okay. <laughs> the crock pot. When, when my wife works with a crock pot, she just throws everything in it and turns it on and walks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly the the two key elements here we're talking about are time and low heat. Step families need to understand it takes time to cook a family. There's nothing instant about it. In fact, the more you try to make it instant, the more it backfires. But it can happen. But it can happen. Low heat is the other one. You see a pressure cooker and a microwave, they're all using high heat. They're all trying to work with high pressure to create love and bondedness. And when that doesn't happen, people get frustrated with each other. A crock pot, it takes yeah, six hours. you got something good to eat. Well, the average step family takes six or seven years, and then you've got something good to eat. Mm-hmm. So being patient and letting the process work for you. A crock pot brings the juices together slowly over time. And when step families approach their family life and say, we're going to relax, even though we're not comfortable with each other and with all things right now, we're going to relax and just find ways of just being in touch with one another. And we trust that time, that history, that tradition, that new events in our lives are going to bring us together, and we're going to be okay. But what do you do in the middle of the crockpot when the pain starts to intensify and you go, I don't know that I can last six years in this thing? Well, I think, if first of all, if you lower your expectations and you say, this is what it's going to take, this is average, this is not us, it's not that we're failing, it's that this is just what it takes for step families, period. Well, then I guess we're just like everybody else, so we'll just have to try to deal with it like everybody else. And then you start looking for solutions to help you get through the moment. Mm -hmm. And you do spend a lot of time with your spouse talking about your frustrations and not taking them out on the stepchildren or what have you, but trying to just buy the time to eventually get to a place where things are good. I think as many were listening to your illustration of uh, the different uh, types of processing food there, some in a step family were thinking – I'm in none of those. I'm in a frying pan. Hmm. We're in enormous pain today. The heat is up. Yeah. I want out. Yeah. You have seven steps to keep 
people in a step family from stepping out, but instead you call them to step up. Share with our listeners what those seven steps to a successful step family are. Well, the first one is, as you said, to step up. And what I'm talking about here is experiencing and discovering a God who loves and forgives. We said on yesterday's program, the wilderness wanderings can be really, really difficult, and that promised land can seem so far away. But God is still leading, and it's up to us to trust him and to continue to follow. Mm -hmm. So step up to discover a God who loves and forgives. Number two, step down your expectations, as we've been talking about. It's not going to happen instantly. You can't force a step family. You can't make people love one another. Relax and let it happen over time. Two-step, that's, that's my way of saying the couple has got to work together. They've got to work in unison, almost like they're dancing together. You know, like two ice skaters on ice have to work in harmony. And the couple has to work on their relationship, even in the midst of all the complexity going on around them. Sidestep is uh, the sidestep the pitfalls that are common to most step families. Uh, there's a number of things that we could talk about there, but uh, some of the things that hit my mind automatically are a step parent who jumps in and expects authority with stepchildren, tries to force themselves upon the stepchildren. That's one of the biggest and most common pitfalls, and it really slows everything down, and it really creates a lot of distress in the home. Why is that, Ron? Because authority is based on relationship. And if you don't have relationship with stepchildren, you don't have any authority. But if you demand authority, then they're not going to be able to give it to you. You don't have what we call parental status with the children. I mean, here's a good example. Go go to your next-door neighbor's house tonight and start trying to uh, spank their children. And you'll discover you don't have authority there. Mm-hmm. You don't have a relationship that gives you the right to do that. One of the biggest mistakes that step-parents make is too early try to assert authority that they don't have. So that authority needs to be earned. It's earned, exactly, through relationship. It's not automatic just because you become their stepfather or stepmother. And that's so important because a lot of Christian men, for example, think, okay, I'm the head of the household. I need to be doing something here. I need to take over. I need to be asserting myself. we got to change some of these rules. Your mom's been pretty light on you through the single parent years, and I've got to change some of that. That's the worst thing in the world that that, that somebody can try to do. Okay, you've talked about stepping up to discover a God who loves and forgives. Step down your expectations. Two-step, your marriage must be a priority. Sidestep, the pitfalls common to most step families. What are the last three? Step in line. That has to do with all the adults who have anything to do with the children. So there's, there's two levels there. Step in line with your ex-spouse or the biological parent of the, of the child that you have in common. You're still going to have to cooperate. These children are moving back and forth between your homes. you still got to find ways of working together. But also this deals with the parent and the step-parent role. How do they work together as a couple to govern the children in their home? That is a difficulty, and I know we need to spend more time on that. Step through the wilderness wanderings with patience, with perseverance, and with dedication. Otherwise, you won't get to that promised land. It's there. It's just much further away than maybe you anticipated, and you got to stick with it. And then if you do all those things, you can step over into the promised land. What I mean by that is there are some rewards to step-family life. Uh, we know that couples can have good, solid, uh, one relationships in step-families. We know that children can have good relationships with step-parents, and there, that can be a, a relationship that influences children towards Christ. There can be health there, but you have to go through the wanderings 
in order to get to the reward. You have addressed uh, all of these steps to successful step family living in uh, an article that Dennis you mentioned yesterday on the program guiding step families through wilderness wanderings and that article is available on our website along with those seven steps you just outlined but let me ask you about stepping down our expectations it almost sounds like you're saying there you know lower your your ideals here let's expect less let's uh Let's not go for really good. Let's just settle for leftovers. It's a good question. I'm not talking about settling at all. Really what we're saying is change your expectations. Understand, first of all, that uh, no step family is created instantly. You know, I keep thinking about the Brady Bunch. Uh, It only took two episodes, and Bobby could call Carol mom. You know, all of a sudden everything's fine, and we're family, and the bonds are just like they would be in a biological home. We're just talking about changing your expectations to say that that may or may not happen mm-hmm. in a step family. You can have a bond with a stepchild and it not be a close one, and that be okay for where you are at this point in your family's growth and development. Mm-hmm. But that expectation of we've got to have it just like any other biological parent and child would have is simply unrealistic, and it sets you up to be greatly disappointed. Mm-hmm. There's something that you teach, Ron, in your um, in your seminars, where you uh, expose the differing, unrealistic expectations that uh, step families foster. In fact, uh, it's a it's a chart that talks about the unrealistic expectations, and and exposes them. But then you also move to a realistic expectation, and we decided to feature that also on the website because we're not going to get to all the expectations Ron has listed here. But why don't you share one of the unrealistic expectations that uh, step families can have? The first one is that we will all love one another. Uh, of course, there's that notion of instant love, and we've already addressed that. But this deals with we will all love one another. And really the truth of the matter is love may or may not develop, and it will probably develop later, much later than you would like for it to. And so relaxing those expectations and saying we're going to learn how to get along. We can be courteous. We can be kind. We can be respectful long before we love each other, long before there's even any deep emotional bond. Here's where I've seen this be a challenge for couples. During the time when mom, who's a single parent, is beginning to cultivate a relationship with this new man, the new man and the 11-year-old son just are getting along famously. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are... One of the things that that brings hope back to mom's heart is that my son is so connecting with this new man in my life. Right. And then they get married, and that connection seems to evaporate and turn to anger. There's an incredible shift that takes place at the point of remarriage. And it's not universal, but it's one of those things where I always advise people, look, do all your work on the front end, but realize the day you get married, you may be hitting the reset button. It may be, I think about the couple who called me the day after their wedding. They had come to me for premarital counseling. And, you know, I'm supposed to be good at this. (laughs) And we did all the remarriage stuff, and we did all the planning. We helped them work through things, and we worked for a number of months, tried to help them anticipate, have conversations with her daughters who were in their late adolescent years before they got married. We thought everything was a go. The day of the wedding, those two girls laid into their mom 
and said they started berating her both for her decision to divorce as well as now her decision to remarry. And that woman spent her wedding night in tears. It, it doesn't always go like that. It's not always that dramatic. But there's a lot of shifts that take place. You see children, for example, will warm up to a, this stepfather you were talking about. And they enjoy doing stuff. It's a lighthearted relationship. Yeah, he takes them to Chuck E. Cheese, right. to the beach, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a courtship. Right. It, He's courting the kids as well as the, the mom. And there's two shifts that take place. The child, after remarriage, now says, okay, wait a minute. This guy, I guess, is now my dad or he's my stepdad or something. And they almost feel some obligation to have a relationship with him. But at the same time, in the back of his mind, is biological dad in another home saying, now, you know, don't enjoy him too much. Mm-hmm. And th- this 11-year-old's getting the idea that I can't be loyal to my stepdad because it would be disloyal to my biological dad. The other shift is this stepfather who, before marriage, just kind of enjoyed being with the kid. You know, it was just a fun thing to do. But now that he's married and he's actually living in the home, he feels a greater need of responsibility. And so he feels like, again, he's got to step in there and do something as a parent. And he tries to turn on the parenting authority that he hasn't earned yet. Mm -hmm. And those two things collide and meet head on. And all of a sudden, there's a problem in their relationship that never showed itself before marriage. You know, yesterday on the broadcast, Bob confessed uh, here to our national radio audience that he and Marianne didn't have an ideal marriage. (laughs) And we kind of chuckled about that because we all identify no one has an ideal marriage. And yet I look at this unrealistic expectation, and I'm not in uh, a step family, but this unrealistic expectation reads... We will all love one another. Well, we think that's going to happen in marriage. Yeah. We think that's going to happen in my family, mm-hmm. whether you're a step family or not. And, and yet I can understand how someone coming out of either the death of a spouse or a divorce and hoping to re-cement a family of sorts back together again would think, you know, we can achieve this thing. And yet no adult... No thinking adult, no wise, mature Christian adult would begin to think you can throw a group of people together and come up with automatic, mature love any more than Bob Lapine and Marianne mm-hmm. getting married and automatically coming up with mature love. Let me just read a passage and, and think about a step family, or for that matter, think about your family as, as Paul exhorts us about what real mature love looks like. This is birthed by the Spirit of God in the heart of a man over time where maturity takes place mm-hmm. between people. Romans chapter chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I can see how that would be needed in a step family. Absolutely. Big time. And people can live for that standard. They can pursue that. What we're talking about when, I, when we say we all love one another is the deep emotional bonds of fondness and uh, feeling comfortable hugging you and deep affections. That's the level at which only comes with time. We only earn that kind of love in a family relationship. Mm-hmm. But if we try to force it, it works against us. Another reason that people have an expectation or want there to be love in their home is because the adults need it. I mean, you stop and think about it. Here's a mom, and she's got three kids, and she's deciding to bring a man into their life. She loves him. He loves her. She loves being with him and enjoys that. There's hope for the future. What she needs is for her kids to like this guy. The last thing she wants to think is that she's bringing her children more trouble. And so this expectation just makes total sense to hope that there will be love and and everybody will get along. 
But again, pulling back from that and saying it's okay if they don't necessarily have those deep affections for one another. We're going to learn how to be courteous and kind and love with a brotherly love in the meantime. And we'll worry about the deep affections later. We've talked about the unrealistic expectation that we'll all love one another. What is the realistic expectation from this chart here? Again, love may or may not develop, and if it does, it'll happen some point later on down the line. We've got to just relax and accept what we have today and work with what we have today and let that be enough. What about the expectation, Ron, that uh, this time is going to be different for us? Well, again, it's kind of like I've learned some lessons from my past relationships, um, and we don't want to make those same mistakes again. And so we go into this remarriage assuming that we'll do it better this time around. Um, Except that to compare this new family to a biological family is misguided from the get-go. We've, we, the premise that we're trying to say here is that step families are different, and so to constantly compare a step family to a biological family is going to you're going to end up feeling like a failure in the end as it is. The other thing about that is this is a new marriage; it's a new relationship, and yeah, you may have learned some lessons, and yeah, you may be a a new person, a different person. You may have learned some things, but you still got to learn how to do life with this person, and it's not like you just take out one person and plug in another one, and now this time things are going to be better. We just have to build a new family and have new relationships and let those relationships stand on their own instead of comparing them to former families. And a part of the challenge there is that as we look back on the first relationship, we think one of the big problems was that other person. Now that the other person's not here, we won't have that liability, that baggage. The, The problem is... The other half of the equation is still there. You bring your own problems in, and you got a new set of problems that you just married yourself to, right? It's accepting that this is a different family. This is a new relationship. We don't have to live in comparison to the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at the chart again, and the realistic expectation here, I'm not sure that I agree with. Why don't mm-hmm. you share it with our listeners, and let's discuss it for a moment. Well, it's this new family will be neither better nor worse. It will simply be different. Uh, and the the idea there is, again, what are we comparing ourselves to? Let's stop comparing to old families, and let's start comparing to God's Word. In a theoretical world, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But people don't get remarried unless they're thinking of doing it better, generally speaking. I think you're right. Yeah, people don't get married, period, unless they're assuming that it's going to be good. And so they can't help but compare with the past. That's true. Again, the question is, what's your standard? If your standard for relationships is God's Word, then you're comparing to a good standard that you need to constantly be looking at. But if your comparison, your standard is an old relationship that went bad, uh, then you're living in the past. In fact, one of the challenges that can come up in a step family, I'm sure you've talked to folks about this, in a new marriage, you begin to see some of the positive qualities of your ex-mate in a new way because all of a sudden your new partner doesn't do things and you go, I didn't really appreciate that about my first mate. And now, what do you do with that? Well, Bob, I call that the ghost of marriage past. Mm-hmm. It's when you're haunted by uh, things from the past that are creeping into your your present and your assumptions about what this means and why you're doing that uh, is right here with me. And I'm assuming you're just like that other person that I tried to get rid of. And, uh, and so I start treating you as if you are that other person. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
you put them in a corner where they're not being untrustworthy, but you're treating them as if they are untrustworthy, for example. And so all of a sudden, uh, what have they got to lose? You're kind of forcing the relationship to a very bad place. You know, there's another expectation, Ron, you list on your chart that our children will feel as happy about the remarriage as we do. And uh, this is really interesting because uh, it doesn't always happen with little children. We're talking adult children who make observations about mom or dad who maybe through the loss of a spouse due to death or divorce finds themselves in a remarriage situation. And um, the adult children, I know of one situation I'm thinking of now, all the children were against the remarriage. Hmm. And the, the mom went ahead and did it anyway. Hmm. And so that marriage was was born out of the turmoil of the entire extended family really being against that marriage. That expectation was was dashed from the beginning. I'm thinking of a woman I talked to this past week who uh, uh, is just really upset with her stepfather. She's in her mid-40s, and her mother has remarried. And, um, you know, before the marriage, all mom conveyed to her daughter was uh, kind of some of the negative things about this guy that she was dating. Well, lo and behold, they turn a corner and they get married. Well, this daughter can't get all that out of her mind. She's just not happy about this because what she wants is somebody who will take care of mom. And she's not sure this is the guy who's going to be able to do that. And so she's standing in opposition to her stepfather, he, who's in his mid-60s. And the relationship, it ripples all the way down to Christmas and holidays and how we're going to do life. Yeah, and this family that I'm thinking of, uh, it's fascinating to watch a new relationship begin where the closest people on the planet are not for this new relationship. They're seeing something in that spouse that you don't see. Parents need to understand this. Marriage for them is a gain. It is another loss for their children. For the adults, this is somebody who makes me feel good. I'm going to have a partner to share life with now. You want your kids to be okay with this. But for the children, it's another loss. What they want is mom and dad back together again. Mm -hmm. Recently, I was spending some time with uh, an 8-year-old little boy and uh, was doing a projective technique with him. And he was showing me through the use of some uh, little figures uh, that represented people what he wanted in his life. And it was so classic. It just really stunned me. Here he had all these little pieces for his dad, his mom, his brother, and himself. And he didn't even include whose mom is dating and who dad is dating. But at some point I asked him, and he said, oh, yeah, they're there too. And he brought them into the picture. And he showed me where they were positioned, how close and how far away. Mom and dad were far away from each other but close to the, to the boys. And then there was these new relationships. And I asked him, now, how would you like for it to be? He did not blink. He pushed away the two dating partners, mom's boyfriend and dad's girlfriend. He pushed them out of the way, pulled mom and dad back together again, and said, this is what I want. Kids want their parents reconciled. And when somebody else, when mom gets married to another guy, that's a loss for them. They didn't ask for the divorce. They didn't, be, they didn't ask for mom and dad to not like each other. And they certainly didn't ask for another person to step in the way of mom and dad reconciling. It is a loss for them. Adults need to understand that because if they don't, then they get into this situation where they're forcing relationships upon the children. Can two adults, Ron, recognize these expectations before they even form a step family? Can they be proactive to deal with these or do they kind of have to wait for it to come up 
before they can really get into the midst of it? Well, I think it's it's tough for them to recognize it, but uh, if they come to one of my seminars or they, they read a good book or find a re- good resource, uh, then all of a sudden they stop and they think, well, yeah, maybe I am doing that. But, you know, fantasies are not things that we re- realize they're fantasies until they're not working out, unfortunately. And so trying to catch people on the front end and saying, take this really slow because the children may not feel about this the way you do. And you need to give them some space, you need to give them time, and you need to be incredibly respectful to the losses and the pain that they have already experienced. Otherwise, you're going to shove more pain on them. You know, it hits me as you've uh, talked today on the broadcast that um, certainly God is in in everyday life helping people redeem broken situations, whether by death or divorce, uh, remarriages take place, um, even remarriages that are against Scripture. Mm. And um, in in that situation, God, in His grace and mercy, redeems and resurrects individuals, marriages, and families. But I'm also struck after listening, God designed that one man and one woman live for a lifetime together and create a marriage covenant so that a family flows from that. Mm-hmm. That won't be perfect. That won't be the ideal. Mm. But when that covenant is broken... And you go and establish another covenant and another family. Certainly, the opportunity for that to become all that God intended is even less than the first unit. And I think of of our nation and the the anguish that must be in the homes of America. I mean, I I really wonder how much of this is being translated into to young people as they grow up through elementary school and their teenage years and on into their adulthood lives. I mean, if you and I have difficulty sorting out our emotions Mm -hmm. about difficult issues of loss and of guilt and anger around a divorce, what must a child feel and think as they watch their, their mother and father divorce and then go form and forge separate new entities? It's just not the ideal of what God designed. Yeah, and I think a lot of couples who are in a step family, one of the things they need to hear and be reminded of is that the challenges they're facing are not unique to them, that there are other families who have faced challenges like this as well, and that there are ways to apply biblical principles to help them uh, navigate some of these challenging situations. In fact, uh, Ron has written a book called The Smart Step Family that we have in our Family Life Today Resource Center. In addition to the book, there is a small group resource, a DVD study on the Smart Step Family, eight sessions that you can go through with other couples. And I think, Ron, you'd agree that to go through the material with other couples is probably the best way to do it because that way your shared experience can be added to the material and help you get a better handle on how you can have Uh, the most effective step-family situation given your circumstances. Ron has also written a book called The Smart Stepdad. He's co-written The Smart Stepmom. There are other step-family resources that we have available at Family Life Today. Go to our website, familylifetoday.com, for more information on all of the resources that are available. And I should mention that Ron is now part of the Family Life team, the Smart Step-Family ministry that he has been doing for many years now. Uh, has become a part of what we're doing here at Family Life because we want to help 
couples in whatever circumstance, whatever situation you're in, regardless of how you you ended up there. We want to help your marriage and your family be as strong and as healthy and as uh, God-focused as it can be. So go to FamilyLifeToday.com for more information about these resources available or call us toll-free at 1-800-FL-TODAY, 1-800-358-6329, 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Uh, Get more information on the Smart Step Family resources from Ron Deal when you get in touch with us. And we hope you can join us back again tomorrow. Ron Deal is going to be here again. We're going to continue talking about challenges step families face. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.